Hi, this is Mac from OneHistory.org. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. Zippo. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will... Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Clean beaches and sparkling sand. He won't make her double dig in her garden if she doesn't make him try broccoli aromatherapy. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. High forests, no wetlands, well, good planets are in the main. Right. Uh, don't bother me. I'm uh, I'm looking at the stuff Rick DeMaio sent us. Oh, you're reading all those articles. I'm reading the uh, that Rick sent us. Uh, Speed uh, reading. Fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> Say, hey, check this out before you go on air, uh, Rick. <laughs> okay, thanks. So uh, you just talk. Okay. And I'll I guess then read I can't the read them. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can read them too, folks. There'll be a moment of silence while we catch up with our homework here, here for for today's show. How about that? It's another gorgeous Saturday morning. We're on. We're on it's quite even better. The it's here. it's it felt like autumn. It, you know, it was it's one of those Tom Skilling things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're getting those breezes. They feel a lot more like September weather than they do j- July. It's a northern woods wind. It's a north yeah north woods wind. Okay, well, uh, we'll ask Mr. DeMaio about that. Meteorologist Rick DeMaio will be here, and he says information about. U.S. wildfire map, and I noticed in the U.S. wildfire map, Mm -hmm. because it is a U.S. wildfire map, it cuts off at Canada and cuts off at Mexico. Well, there's nothing there. Do I get to do I get to yell at him about that (laughs) and say, you know, that doesn't give us any context if it's just but but I'll tell you, the scary part is there's there's a lot of wildfires going on out there. I mean, you look at that map, if you widen out in just the United States, yikes, my goodness. And it's only July. And it's only July. Yeah, but we've got the north wind, north woods weather here in, in Chicago. Uh, I'm start toasting those marshmallows. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, I, okay, let me do a little rant. I haven't done a rant in a while uh, to start the show. And my rant, and I think I might, I don't know if I, t- I think I might have talked to you about this, is, is Channel 9. Okay, you guys love Tom Skilling. And then when they put him outside at the noon report, if you mm-hmm. happen to be watching it, and they say, he's on the weather patio. No, it's not even just noon. It's at the, the 4 and 5 p.m. It's 5 o'clock, yeah. The 5 o'clock. We're going to put Tom in the weather patio. Hey, what's on the weather patio? Lawn, a sidewalk, cars going by. And, and on. Is there even. I think a, he's under a. I don't know what he is. And use. Aren't you guys embarrassed? That's you. That's what you've got. So what the message you're sending is, we're too cheap to actually put flowers or native plants or some kind of backdrop. No, we're good. You know, why don't you just put them in the parking lot? You know, with cars and have them ducking out of the way of cars as they go by. <laughs> that would that would make just as much sense. It's insane. It's like you put them on a lawn. Let's let's send the message that this is the best we have to offer in the city. We're we're Channel Nine. We're the the big honking news station here where we do news like eight, 16 out of 18 hours every day mm-hmm. of our programming is news now. And the best we can come up with is, well, we'll mow the lawn for Tom if he happens to step out there on the weather. And I'm using air quotes, the weather, the weather patio. patio. You guys are embarrassment. You really are. So put something out there. Plan, put, get, a, get a landscaper. Put some native plants out there. Put some foliage out there. We're talking to to the women who wrote this book, Gardening with Foliage First. Put out something that's interesting, not a lawn and some roads and and houses that look like they belong in the suburbs, except they happen to be built in Chicago. So there you go. 
Did I rant enough? Thank you. Uh, and that is our, uh, our our show today. We have uh, Karen Chapman and Christina Salwitz, who ha- are the authors of Gardening with Foliage First, and it's a follow-up to their book that won a bunch of awards, uh, Fine Foliage. Uh, and so they thought, you know, we got a good thing going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's Let's keep writing about foliage. Why not? Okay. Foliage and lots of eye candy photos. Uh, exactly. It is It is eye candy. I saw Robbie was drooling as uh, I didn't have the heart to tell her. Robbie, a lot of these things are like zone eight and nine. I know. You'll I never notice that. Were you noticing the zones? Yes. We're going to bust them a little bit on it, okay? I, got, I have to bust them. And there was no snow in any of the winter photos. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I got a couple of issues. Uh, so, well, I, I, but it's I, like the comment you made at at the close of Mighty House that it's Zone Eight on the West Coast, up in the Pacific Northwest well, it where is, they live. But this is, uh, you know, I think they wrote this with everybody in mind. They their idea was they went coast to mm-hmm. coast. The Just problem no is, well, the problem is, how much of the country lives in Zone Five or below? I mean, we're talking. Well, they got six in here, so you know New York City is like mm-hmm. six, and Pennsylvania six. I but, saw a couple of fours. Uh, a couple of fours, but it's uh, we can ask them. We can ask them about that. So uh, if you've got uh, questions or comments, the phones are lighting up. Ben, what's going on? Eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety. I bet those people want to ask questions, or maybe they're mad. They want to talk about Tom Skilling and the weather patio. <laughs> maybe it's Tom Skilling. Maybe it is Tom Skilling. Tom's welcome on the show. I want him. To, we'll have dueling meteorologists if Tom comes on the show. It's, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Saturday version. Stick around. More to come. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free of ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and other treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths, including the non-toxic Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Treatment. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. No longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Veggie Fest Chicago is back on August 12th and 13th. Be part of one of the largest vegetarian food and lifestyle festivals in North America. Veggies and omnivores alike will have a great time. There's a huge international food court, health professionals with advice for good living, food and cooking demos, a children's tent, live music with some of Chicago's best bands, more than 100 vendors, and it's free at Benedictine University, 5700 College Road in Lyle. Go to VeggieFestChicago.org. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMille. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. a girl that writes about foliage first and actually we got two of them on the line right here that's uh karen chapman and christina salvage we'll start with you karen are you with us good morning i most definitely am good morning and uh christina 
Good morning. I'm the non-British voice of the team. Well, what, I, what folks don't realize that is when we decided to have you guys on the show, I, I said, listen, can one of you put on a British accent? <laughs> <laughs> We aim to please. Uh, and, what can I tell you? We, uh, and, we cover it all. <laughs> and that way I can tell you apart because it's so hard if you're not in the studio. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. Uh, and uh, they are the authors of Gardening with Foliage, first 127 dazzling combinations that pair the beauty of leaves with flowers, bark, berries, and more. And more includes art mm-hmm. um, in the garden. Which, sculpture. Sculpture, uh, picture frames, which I which I beat you to because I have one of those. I've had one in my yard for about 15 years. Really? I think that was a great idea. That was in a, a local garden. I spotted that. I'm still hunting the thrift stores so I can copy that idea myself. Yeah. And, th- and Mike, I'm writing my next book on art in the garden. Are you really? Yeah. Well, uh, now in my case, it would be live art. So if there's art in my <laughs> garden, I'm gonna. It's gonna be. Per- it's gonna be performance art. Okay. So that's. So you you have to have, <laughs> Christina. You have one chapter on performance art in mm-hmm. the garden. You just have to have one. Is that you dancing uh, nude under the full moon at midnight? Uh, I, I've got a speedo on. Okay, <laughs> just just to let you know, because otherwise it gets uh, it gets pretty nasty. Uh, so you guys uh, have done this uh, this book. By the way, folks, you uh, this is uh, this is no uh, insignificant. Okay, I'm, I'm moving the mic over here so I can do my little trick, which I do with books like this. So I'm going to point it down and drop the book on the counter. Okay. <laughs> Funk. So don't accidentally, you know, you, you be prepared to pick it up because you might pull a muscle. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. This is a pretty substantial here, uh, and Thank it, you. and it and it has to do, I guess, a lot with the fact that it's four color glossy, and we're holding it. I'm holding it up for Peggy right now on the camera, and you're going to probably see this pop up on Facebook yep. any second. But uh, it's your second book together. Yeah, and, right. And the first one, you know, won all kinds of awards, and so you it, it went to your head. <laughs> oh, it didn't take that to make it go to our head. We were there anyway, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and I and I think that's because you're spoiled. You're you, you're spoiled because you live in the Seattle area. Well, okay. I, I know I do often have to apologize for that when I'm speaking around the country. I have to apologize first that we are spoiled, and we do realize it. Because uh, yeah, because uh, uh, I I had a vacation home uh, for seventeen years on uh, Lake Quinault. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, yeah. And it rains a lot there. Yes, it does. <laughs> so it's a different kind of garden that you have there. Well, actually, the garden I had in Lake Quinault. <laughs> the moss, moss uh, garden. It, 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 it what? Moss and ferns. Yeah, moss and ferns uh, is basically what I grew. And uh, slugs. Uh, oh, I love the slugs in the Banana Pacific. Slugs. Banana oh, slugs. Yeah. and oh, You know, I, I used to explain to people about the slugs in the Pacific Northwest, and people in the Midwest do not get it. No. Okay? No. It is like having a dog in your yard. <laughs> yeah, they're the size of your car. Exactly. And, and have you ever been kissed by a slug? Have you done that? No. Okay. Well, I can't admit to it publicly, but... You stood on one, though, Christina. Didn't you go and put your shoes on, and there was one in your shoe at the time? Yeah. No! Yeah, Yeah, it was bad. Oh, poor little slug. Uh, But they're... They they have big slime trails, too. Really big slime trails. They do, and I read somewhere, while we still had the, the home out there, that if you get to the front of the snug... Slug. Snug. Snug slug... And you 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 reach out with your finger, you'll get a little electric shock, because I, and they call it being kissed by a slug. Oh, I didn't know that. I'll, and, I'll skip uh, that uh, experiment. <laughs> oh no, you've got to try it. And I tried it, and it, it's true. It's absolutely true. So I think that's why they have that interaction with copper, and why copper works so good at preventing slug right. problems. So uh, that that certainly makes sense. It 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 has uh, you know, and, and I need to get. All right, that wouldn't be an entomologist because they study insects. Oh, I think I lost you. Hello, are you here? Can you hear me? Oh, I now I got you. Mm-hmm. Lost oh. you for a minute. I'm oh. you're back now. Okay, wow, that's odd. Okay, and 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 our and our engineer, of course, Ben walked out of the room just <laughs> just. <laughs> at, that's why it happened. Just at that moment, and I uh, was ready to panic. Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, and now I've I've totally lost my train of thought. It was it. It's okay. It was only slugs. We're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah but 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 you guys out there. Uh, okay, so yeah, you got the banana slugs, but you got the zone. Yeah, Quinault was eight. What's what do you consider Seattle? Eight also? No, no, not, not even close. Well, but let's say yeah, parts of Seattle are. Parts, but. Yeah, my garden is is six. You know, a seven on a good day, maybe <laughs> in a sunny spot. So yeah. your gardening gloves are off because I heard your comments before I we did went too. on. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, oh my gosh, we are we are in for We're yeah, fired up now. <laughs> yeah, we have a gardening row happening here. We're in. That's right. <laughs> That's fine. I'm glad. I'm glad you heard it because I meant it, and I'm sticking to it. And I'm looking at a combination for zones three through eight in the book right now. Okay. Yeah. In, in fact, there are quite a few mm-hmm. zones three, zones four, zones five, and I also happen to know that Michigan's Great Southwest, which isn't so far from you, is zone six. And well, we have plenty for them. You know well. what? I say, frickin' goody for them. Okay. <laughs> Well, then you choose the one for Zone 3, and you'll be happy. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and, uh, and and that's uh, at least uh, one of the great things about the book is that in, as you go to the chapters and you have uh, a lot of very descriptive titles for the combinations that you put together. Yes, our hallmark is being very conservative and demure. <laughs> yeah. The ticklish porcupine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, that's that's a drink, too, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think we were hungry or thirsty a lot of the time because yeah. we realized afterwards so many of them were sort of had names with food associations. Yes. Soup, It was like latte. ice cream and chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Cabernet. Yeah. And actually, I did stick uh, uh, bookmarks in the ones that uh, I thought uh, would work well for our area in Chicago. And you got to remember that basically if we get Zone 6, it is right on the lakefront in Chicago, and that's not reliable. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're, yeah. re- we're really 5. And anything west of us is going to be 5. We don't, you don't really hit 6 till you, you go south of ways. And so in the upper Midwest, Mi- Minneapolis and Chicago and Detroit – uh, may, Detroit might be bumping over into six. You know, you got to be careful because uh, uh, I was talking about this on the show the other week about when you start changing the, the hardiness map and, and the cold zones and you declare that an area is zone six now and then you get 20 degrees below zero, the plant doesn't care that, no. that they, they're supposed to be living in zone six. I've completely ignored, personally, um, the new zoning. I don't believe a word of it. Um, I'm sticking to what I said in the first place, which is mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm in Zone 6B. Um, that's what the plants are telling me. So plant tags are come secondary, I think, to um, personal experience when it comes to interpreting that. Uh, right. So let's get to the, the basis of the book, and, the, and that is a really good philosophy about gardening, which is that... And I think I wrote about it online that you might be overemphasizing blooms in your garden at the expense of the overall look mm-hmm. of your garden. Absolutely. Uh, and why or how can foliage make a difference? And uh, let's start with the British one here. <laughs> Well, let's take a a classic English garden, for example, and I'm thinking of what I would call, in fact, a cottage garden, which is this glorious medley of delphiniums and roses and catmint and, you know, all our favorite um, summer flowers. Without a framework of really attractive foliage behind that, you can have periods during the season when the design just falls flat. Visually, it's just there's nothing happening. Whereas as soon as you include in that, say, a variegated leaf, whether it's from a variegated hibiscus or a wajila or maybe some golden foliage from a conifer, that then starts to form anchor points within the design, which ultimately will create this picture frame to hold um, those flowers together. In the same way that you'd make a, a floral arrangement, you rarely just choose all flowers. You always have some foliage in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the deal. Uh, but uh, I think folks who are not used to gardening, who are novices, uh, get really sucked in by the bloom. And as you mentioned at the beginning of your book, uh, going to a nursery, and that's what attracts them. Mm-hmm. And they, they throw them in the cart, and they get home, and they realize there's nothing to tie it together. Right. 
And that's and that's a really interesting thing about when we meet with our design clients. Uh, you know, we'll start talking about their favorite things. What's your favorite color? What makes your heart sing? And they'll say, Oh, I love you know red. And then and then what will happen oftentimes is that subconsciously they're automatically going straight to red flowers. Yeah. And I say, oh, well, you're referring to flowers. What about the foliage? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden a light bulb comes on, and they're like, well, that never occurred to me. Yeah, yeah. and they're uh, red in foliage. Uh, uh, I talked to Dr. Linda Chalker-Scott last year uh, about that. That's a peculiar uh uh, part of plant physiology, but uh, a very cool part of it, mm-hmm. and uh, you can really take advantage of that as you can variegation, uh, yeah. as uh, Karen was just noting. Yeah. Uh, Especially in colder climates. Yeah, I mean, when you have colder climates, those vibrant foliage colors are really going to make that palette sing in a cooler climate. Yeah, I think folks, as they look at the book, even just flicking through it, you're going to be surprised at just the opportunities for introducing color through foliage. We've had a friend staying with us for the past few weeks, and he's from Hong Kong. He's not a gardener, so he'd be the equivalent of a complete novice coming in, and he just stood in the back garden and said, oh, my gosh, it's so colorful. Do you know there was only one thing in bloom in that 150-foot border? The rest, all the color was from foliage, but he'd never seen something like that, didn't know it was possible. And mm. so that's why we hope that the book is going to help and inspire readers to get a handle on the possibilities. And it's not just uh, the uh, color that you're talking about either. Uh, it is uh, also the texture mm-hmm. of, of these plants, and, and you can combine various textures. Uh, one of the ones, a couple of the ones that you talked about that struck me, one was pulmonaria, uh, yeah. which I, which oh, I yeah. I love it. I it completely underused plant. I it totally is. agree. Yeah, and that's what zone three hardiness zone three or four. It's really tough. Yeah, I mean the reason I got it in my yard, I got I have no problems. It's always going to come back, and actually some of it, it has spread a little bit. It'll it'll. Oh it, yeah. It's, yeah, definitely. And it's not thuggish. Uh, no. And you can have four or five different varieties of it. Uh, it, it, there's different different kinds of pulmonary and different uh, 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 colors and variegations, so it's mm-hmm. uh, really lovely. And then uh, and, a, and the blooms are a bonus, right? Yeah. And, and uh, I I think one of the gardens you had in there was pulmonaria with uh, an artemisia. Um, yes, and that was actually in my garden, and that brings up an interesting point because um, I usually say when I'm doing presentations, throw away all your other gardening books, but just keep hold of ours <laughs> because all those other books are going to tell you, you know, you have to have pulmonaria in rich, moisture-retentive soil and shade. Well, that photograph seriously was taken in my front garden that gets full blasting sun and no water. Now, at the end of a really hot, sunny day, granted, pulmonaria is going to look a little bit, you know, worse to the weather, Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a drink, same as I do, at the end of a busy day, and we both revive just beautifully. Um, it's actually much tougher than you'd think. Yeah. And actually, a little tip about pulmonaria, it's a well-known English perennial, uh, very popular over there, but some of the older varieties can be susceptible to mildew. Mm-hmm. And the trick I've found is that if I just cut the foliage back after it finishes flowering in spring, the whole foliage comes back lush and clean and fresh, and it just looks like this great silver-spotted hosta for the rest of the summer season and doesn't um, have that powdery mildew issue. Yeah. Well, one of the things that struck me in that photo, um, we talk a lot about gardening with natives, and I, I think mm-hmm. I, have it, I have some sedges mixed in with mine, and right. it, it does that same effect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, and that's actually a point I wanted to make. We're going to need to break here in a second. Uh, but people don't have to slavishly adhere to your designs in here. And what, I, what occurred to me as I was looking through here was I would look at uh, a design you had with three different plants, and I would say, oh, yeah, I like those two. You know, the third one, I think I could substitute this or that mm-hmm. for the other one. That's the exact point of the book, is to yeah. springboard your own insight and ideas and art into how you can take this idea and make it your own. Yeah. So use use the book as uh, an idea factory. Go out, you know, take a look at the pictures and say, wow, here's here are the possibilities. And then uh, you can run from there. Uh, the two ladies we have on the phone, and uh, you are ladies, right? 
<laughs> oh, Lord, I hope so. <laughs> okay. uh, Karen, oh, Karen, Karen Chapman and Christina Salwitz, uh, authors of Gardening with Foliage First, will be right back to that. Now, there's an interesting story in the July-August issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine about a driveway garden. When I think of a driveway garden, the picture I get in my head is a dandelion growing out of a crack in the concrete. This one is different because the garden is a triangle, 13 by 13 by 6 feet, and sits between the driveway and the patio. Now, if my geometry is correct, that's an isosceles triangle, but that's not the point. The point is there are actual tall, blooming plants there like cannas and coxcombs and marigolds that make the space pop in a way it never did when it was a lovely lawn. Speaking of popping, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue. Uh, after reading it, you need to decompress, so take it slow. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state State gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com or 888-265-3600. We'll be right back. Now's the time to get on board with one of McHenry County's premier sustainability and healthy living events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 4th, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. McHenry County College is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and this year's Green Living Expo is going to be bigger than ever. They've added an artist walk where visitors can shop and chat with local sustainable artists. And if you offer eco-friendly holiday gifts, you'll get a head start on the season. Mike and I were there last year, and the Expo is a great way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show on... 1590 WCGO with Peggy Malecki. We are talking to Karen Chapman and Christina Salwitz and arranging for them to come to a zone where it's actually cold. <laughs> uh, we, we were setting that all up uh, while we were off air there so that they, they can see what a real Zone 5 garden looks like out hey, here. Hey, did you check out those photographs of serious tall frost? Do you realize we were out there freezing our tails off getting those pictures? What do you mean there was no snow? That was pretty dong. Oh, well, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention sweating our tail off in certain climates, Yeah. Too. Well, that's true. Now, I, I wouldn't do that. Zone uh, 10, yes. You know, I'm, I'm willing to go to cooler climates. Now, warmer ones, not so... Well, although zones, you know, the, the one of the nice things about the Zone 8 on the Pacific Northwest is it doesn't feel like Zone 8. It's, right. it's, it's very odd. It's a very, yeah. very interesting thing. And, yeah, I, I grabbed a few of these uh, designs here. There's a couple that I really love. Uh, one of the simplest ones is uh, Vivid, Vivacious, and Violet. Oh, uh, that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That, that was uh, shot here at our local botanic garden, and mm-hmm. I was walking along, and that was just on a hillside, and that variegated daylily, that striking white pinstripe on that foliage was so shocking in the middle of this sea of purple ajuga in full bloom in spring. It was just 
It's so me, just obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, and it's so simple that you think, oh, I didn't think of that. I really, Mm -hmm. I'm really annoyed that I didn't think of that. Uh, and, but you know, and the fun thing though is, is how many hardy plants for a zone five could that could that daylily be? You know, I mean, if you can't find that variegated daylily, what could you use? I mean, can you use something like, say, a variegated Jacob's ladder? Is that one that grows for you? Well, when I looked at it, I thought it was a variegated iris. Right. It, yeah. So, see, that would have been a great option too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and another one I'm looking at here is blues with a feeling. Again, these are two that are just two different plants that you put together. You, you, it doesn't always have to be a complicated combination. Right. Uh, you, this is just a, a blue-leaved hosta with a hydrangea. With a well, bl- and, it's, and it's not just any blue-leaved hosta. It's blue angel, and that was in my front yard. And those blue angel hostas, the leaves are probably uh, 16, 18 inches long and a foot wide. They're ginormous. Again, if you don't have a, a, a blue angel, I bet you got one that tends towards that, and you can make a combination mm-hmm. like that. Uh, or ferns and a blue angel. Yeah, yeah. So Again, it's looking for, I mean, what you've got going on there is a, a texture contrast. But what Christina did was pick up a color echo, and that's something we're pretty big on, and you'll see a lot through the book, is that she didn't just marry that hosta with any old hydrangea. The hydrangea itself had that blue tone in it as well. Mm-hmm. So there was a sense of relationship between the two. Um, and that's what we try and look for and what, how we try and design is within a group of plants there are connections. Otherwise, it just begins to look like that bag of jelly beans. And that's a really good point. The, the, one of the other things you point out, you don't want it to look like a bag of jelly beans uh, because you've got too many, too many colors that don't make any sense. You also don't want it to look like middling green, which is the whole yard is some sort of middling green uh, and nothing, nothing stands out. Also, you know, really sophisticated kind of 21st century color combinations, too. There's one called All the Right Notes, where it's beautiful, amazing uh, epimedium or barren wort. And the whole, the whole combination is black, white, and chartreuse green, or really intense green. Mm-hmm. And it's such a sophisticated combination with some really old-fashioned plants. But it's looking at those combinations of colors and color echoes in a really new way. Which, uh, do you know what the number that it's on one is? page 144. 144. And, and, and there's another one of those plants that is just not used very much, Epimedium. Oh, yeah, I love that as a ground cover. And it's deer resistant, drought tolerant, and you need deer resistance where you are. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, Peggy does, not me. I'm in the city. If, if they're going to go across the... Uh, <laughs> if you're going to have deer in your yard, yeah, there's if other I, problems. If, if, if we got deer in Logo, Logan Square, <laughs> man, that's going to be... That's going to make the headlines. <laughs> yes, yes. So one of the questions I had as I was reading through the book, um, these are all vignettes from a certain season, spring, fall. How do you design the garden and plant the garden to transition through, say, you have this beautiful spring, get through the hot summer and into the fall and keep your, your color patterns and your textures? Well, the same color patterns don't have to stay. I mean, the color patterns can shift, but that's where some of the evergreens really help to hold things together, and conifers are a great way to do that. Um, you'll see many examples in the book where conifers in gold or blue or some silvers are included, and some of those change color. And then we also make sure there are um, some plants in there that maybe have colored so some of the dogwoods, for example, or some of the evergreen grasses. So we're looking for an evergreen element. I especially love it if we can find an evergreen element that changes color or flowers, has a little extra something, so it's just not this constant background, but it, it evolves during the year. Um, those there's a, the there's a combination that I can't remember which page it's on right at the moment, but it features a beautiful cryptomeria, and the new growth comes out on that cryptomeria tree right. in the most luscious, vibrant lime chartreuse green in spring. And then the tree settles into that deeper green, but at the base of it, it shows beautiful, striking brown carrots mm-hmm. and then some beautiful ceanothus shrubs with tiny little dark green leaves. That aren't particularly cold hardy where you are, but that could be an ilex or other plants. But this cryptomeria then is going to gain this beautiful deep color in fall and winter that's got a, a brownish red undertone. So it has really a multiple personality for a tree. 
and just keep Superman away from Cryptomeria. Okay? Right. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> Pe- Peggy gave me a ding for it anyway. There we go. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, getting to uh, your collaboration on this book, it, it, it's easy because you guys, well, not it, nothing's easy. Okay. And as, <laughs> as, as, as I read about the book, uh, it, it, you bit off a lot to get this done, especially after the first one. And, you know, it shows that you, you worked hard. Uh, it's got to help that you guys kind of live down the road from each other out Seattle way. Yeah, it's well, about, an hour, about, almost yeah. an hour apart. But, yeah. you know, it's a pretty radical hour apart because mm-hmm. where Karen's at in Duval, she's really, really out in the country. Like she was saying, she's much colder, kind of completely different type of landscape. And I'm in the foothills um, southeast. And so I'm at 800 feet, so I have a completely different exposure as well. Oh, plus, again, you know, because Christina is in the city, I'm in the country, Christina can grow things I can't because I'm dealing with deer, right. rabbits, mm-hmm. voles. Um, I can't irrigate. I'm on five acres, so I have to have a, a pretty hefty degree of drought tolerance as well. Good. So our gardens are very different, and what we can manage is very different. It sounds like uh, we've got the city mouse, country mouse. It is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm really kind of suburbia sort of city. Right, but suburban yeah, mouse. Mine, okay. mine is yeah. more definitely tropical, and and you know, it's it's a little more needy than Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine just has to survive. <laughs> ah, good, good. I like I like the surviving gardens myself because I, I'm sorry, I have no tolerance for plants that are fussy. And no. if you do, if if you can't make it on your own in my yep. yard, bye. See, if they need yeah. water three times a day. They're out of here. Oh, forget it. No, no prima donnas. Ah. No, I'm not. I'm certainly not doing that. But mm. my garden is uh, much smaller, which is also actually kind of a neat difference between Karen's garden and mine. Mine's very much a, a, a large overgrown courtyard, essentially. So <laughs> I get to kill everything for you before ah. you try it. Ah. Well, one of the things that we posted to help promote um, the program to let people know you're on was a fabulous container. And yeah. a couple of people commented that their containers never look like that. And why is that? Well, because I'm a cram it and jam it sort of girl. <laughs> I mean, the main thing is is that that, that particular pot and that was on my at my house here. Um, it you know it was a low bowl, which the, just the shape really helps the design mm-hmm. tremendously because in a bowl you can fit so much more garden in a small space than you can in many other shaped containers. So it was crammed, that entire design was crammed with probably 15 or 20 different plants. And so by the time you get to July or August, it's just lush and ebullient and vivacious and, and full. But, yeah, you know, but, 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 but i gotta, I got to stop you there. But that's yeah. if they're growing well. So what's the, well, sec- what's the secret of keeping them growing well? Yeah, how do you well? keep them lush? I think part of it, too, is the fertilizer that I use. I use a really extremely high-quality organic fertilizer, and I use a lot of it when I first plant. And I really don't fertilize the rest of the year. I just It's a granular, organic, slow-release. And so I really put a lot in that pot when I first plant, and I mean a lot. Well, and I think that's a really good point, is if you have plants in a confined space, yes. uh, they have to feed. Right. And, uh, and one of the things about your business is uh, that uh, you uh, teach people how to do things organically. You're the, uh, your business is the personal garden coach. And, right. and uh, I should mention that Karen's is Le Jardinet. Uh, <laughs> they're both kind of designed, but yours is also uh, educational. Uh, is that Definitely. right, Definitely. I mean, my, my job is really helping the, the home gardener who just really is interested in learning how to do things more on their own and learn how to not make expensive mistakes. I mean, right now, buying plants and landscaping costs a lot of money. And on your bottom line, on your landscape, you want every little piece of real estate to have a good return for you. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, that whole ROI thing, oh, my gosh, don't even don't even go down that road. All right? <laughs> but, you know, it's all about saving money, time, and labor, and so that's what I help people learn how to do. Yeah. Well, we're, we're just about out of time here, and uh, I want to let folks know that it's called Gardening with Foliage First, 127 Dazzling Combinations that Pair the Beauty of Leaves with Bower... Flowers, bark, berries, and more. It's published by Timber. You can find all the information at mikenovak.net, uh, or if you just, you know, Google 
Gardening with Foliage First. I've got the links to uh, both of your businesses there so folks can uh, go by and find all the information. And basically, it's a book about ideas. You, yeah. You, you mm-hmm. say you don't have any ideas. Well, there you go. Pick it up. Now you got ideas, and they're, they're, they're ready for you. And, and the only thing I would say for next time, I want to see a picture of snow in there. <laughs> and more natives. A few more natives. Pick up uh, 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 a photo of snow. I'll tell you one more thing. PH. A little, a little something about pH. I think would be would go wonders, and and okay. we can go into that. I, and I know you have. You, there's only certain things you can do, but yeah. that's those are my no, my recommendations. You. I'll pass it on. <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, Karen Chapman, Christina Sawitz. Thank you so much. This has really been fun. Thank, thank you, Mike. All right. Have a great Saturday. Bye. We'll we'll be right back with Rick DeMaio. Is this the year you finally get your lawn off drugs? But why stop there? Why not work with your city, your park district, and your local schools to create a neighborhood of lawns that are beautiful and safe? Logic Lawn Care is an Evanston-based company with a decade of experience managing large turf areas naturally. They'd be happy to sit down with you, your local school, or city to answer any questions and to give you a free lawn care estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings Magazine. And for seven years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier, happier lives. Each month, our readers enjoy new information about integrative health and wellness, local foods, raising healthy kids and pets, helping our environment, and living a more sustainable life. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in more than 1,100 locations throughout city and suburbs, or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Hey, Ron Cowgill. Yes, Mike Novak. How would you like to drive the safest, quickest, and most capable sports utility vehicle in history? Legally? Of course legally. In fact, you would own it. Legally? Stop saying that. I'm talking about the Illinois Solar Energy Association, which is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X. You mean the one that comes standard, all-wheel drive, seating for up to seven adults, and up to 295 miles of range on a single charge? Yes. The one that can accelerate from zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds? Yes. How did you know that? I'm reading the script. Oh, well, then you probably know that only 2,500 tickets will be sold. They're 100 bucks each. You can purchase as many as you like, and the drawing is December 7th. Do I have to be present to win? Nope. Do I have to live in Illinois? Nope, just the lower 48 states. Is this the part where we read the disclaimer stuff really, really fast? Nah, this is where we tell people to get details at IllinoisSolar.org. You're good. Yeah. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. When folks see Rick DeMaio coming, <laughs> they say, give me shelter. Uh, welcome, Rick. How are you this morning? I, I don't know if that's the right song for <laughs> give me shelter. I think there's some other things that are being said in that song that I won't touch right now. Uh, no, you you don't have to go down that road either. Uh, wow, what a, uh, a lovely, cool morning in the city of Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to your commercial there talking about uh, solar power. Um, and, you know, this in line with the fact that Al Gore's sequel came out yesterday, um, you know, back in the month of March, uh, the amount of electricity that was generated by renewable energy for the first time actually hit 10% uh, in the United States. And most people probably won't realize this, but the state with the most wind power, take Mike, you want to take a guess at this? Uh, is it Iowa? Iowa's got the highest percentage, but what about the state with the most? The most? Are yeah. you are you going to say Illinois? Oh, God, no. Oh, okay, all right. We're, we're too small I, for that. I, I mean, I, it should be California. I would, but guess, I I would guess Texas, maybe. It's Texas, yeah. Thank you. Very much. Yeah, so, so yeah, Iowa has the um, greatest percentage, <laughs> and Texas has the highest, you want to call it, absolute value. Uh, okay. Boy, a day like today, you can get a lot of solar power. Um, and if we figure it out, eventually uh, installing some sort of uh, turbine system in the oceans or the Great Lakes, uh, we can definitely take advantage of the 
four to seven foot waves and the 50 to 25 mm-hmm. mile per hour winds that we're getting on our lakefront. I'm not, I don't think I'm a fan of having, you know, 200 foot tall vines along the lakefront. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about in the future um, using some of these, you know, maneuverable turbines in the water that will actually grab the direction of the current or even the tide. The problem, obviously, is you have to worry about marine life as well. So, right. yeah. you know, one of the one of the great things about, you know, Al Gore's um, initial movie, I have not seen the sequel, is that he really kind of was the first one to go out on a limb um, and talk about this stuff. And even though, you know, Gore has a kind of weird quirkiness about him, if you've seen some recent interviews, he rolls his eyes and he talks like this, and you go, boy, I'm kind of glad he never did become president to some extent. I think he reached his highest level of competency as a vice president, and it also gave him a chance to do, you know, the first um, inconvenient truth. But he, you know, from what I've read in the second movie, he kind of talks about where we've been, um, what are the pitfalls, what are some of the difficulties we've had to, you know, kind of maneuver through along the way. And I think people need for, for one thing, Mike and Peg, is to go out and see the movie and forget about what they saw the first time see whether or not it reflects where the country is now um, and with the current administration and this current political climate, whether or not this movie, you know, provides some more of an impetus to move forward, you know, on renewable energy. Yeah. I mean, we we were, when Al Gore put out his first movie, we were at a, well, we had an administration that was not particularly enlightened, but you could at least reason with them. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly right. You, that you can't you can't even do that now. It's uh, words bounce off the forehead of that thing that's in the White House. And, yeah. and, and you know, and, and, and with each passing day, I, I from month from week to week, it changes. I get on the radio here and two months ago, I would have said, oh, you know, we 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 got to gut it out. I'm not going to go after anybody. I Two months down the road, I, I really am starting to. Right. care less and less about what I say because it's so clear that the man is a danger to the to the entire world and he needs yeah, to go yeah. all right he yeah. just needs to go go yeah, away and, 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 and Mike we're, we're talking and Peg as well we're talking about people who are offended on the other side by mm-hmm. him but now you're talking about his own supporters and the people who work for him I mean at a certain point you got to go, you know, you're not so much concerned about his agenda, but God forbid there is a natural disaster in this country. God forbid we have an earthquake in California. God forbid there is a Category 4 or 5 hurricane. That's the real test. It's not so much the agenda, and it's not so much the rollbacks of what he's doing to the previous administration, but how is a dysfunctional White House going to handle the ever-increasing threat of natural disasters. Granted, heat waves and droughts and wildfires, as we talked about, yeah. you know, those are slow-moving things, but what about something that's catastrophic overnight? I- I'm-, I'm getting really worried about the ability for this country to respond from that standpoint. Yeah, I, I, com- I completely agree with you, and, it- and it's a terrifying thought. And you're not the only person who's saying that. A lot, a lot of folks are, and we're... We're all holding our breaths and crossing our fingers and hoping that nothing really, really bad happens. Right, right. <laughs> because we're in no position to nope. be able to no, deal with it. Not at all. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, talking a little bit about some of that stuff because I know we only got a couple of minutes here. Um, you know, and that stuff, but the things related to the wildfires. If you look, I sent you some maps. Yes, uh, I saw those. Only, yeah. yeah, not only not only talking about um, wildfires, which the Department of Interior and Department of Forestry. Um, spent literally $2 billion um, on average in the last five years in wildfire suppression, which is a huge number. But if you look at where the heat has been across the western United States and where the rain hasn't been and where the rain has been, uh, northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin basically since the first of the month has gotten anywhere between 12 and 15 inches of rain. The good thing is that pattern is obviously broken for a while. Uh, the bad news is when you get into these patterns, we've talked about it time and time again, heat and drought stays where it is, and flooding stays where it is, and that's pretty much what has happened so far for the first uh, first two months of summer. So with the pattern somewhat broken, uh, is the West going to get any relief at all? 
Um, I don't think so. I think the only thing that's going to happen is probably the northern sections of Washington, Idaho, Montana, and into British Columbia could see some relief. But there were areas, Mike, in, in western Alberta and Manitoba, yeah, get this, we're in the low to mid-90s yesterday. That's insanely warm. And when you combine mm-hmm. that with very, very dry conditions, you know that every once in a while one of those, you know, Fort McMurray-type wildfires is just waiting to yield its ugly head. So those are the things that we worry about. So, you know, bottom line, I know we got to finish up here, is sunny today, sunny tomorrow, sunny Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, dry weather for the next five days. Anybody who wants to go into the lake, be careful, because not only do we have these persistent northeast winds and high waves, but the water is nearly a foot above normal. It's about eight inches higher than last year. So a lot of the beach erosion has occurred along the shores of Illinois and Michigan and Indiana, and that will continue for the next couple of days after that. Looks like some very, very pleasant weather upon us. Wow. This is a this is a real change, uh, and it's going to fake people out because a, <laughs> week, a week from now they're going to be saying, where's all the water? How come my plant? How come my plants are drooping? Yeah, I, I think I think our subsurface moisture is pretty good. The top may yeah. get a little dry by the next four or five days, but um, anyway, slice This is exactly what we needed: a nice break from the heavy rains, and for all the people in the flooded areas, a nice way of of kind of going. I don't have to worry about this, and that's something that people in flooded areas. It's not just a one-day event. It's like a week to ten-day event. With these rev- uh, rivers finishing their cresting and, and moving on, is the lake level likely to change at all, or is it going to stay it's a foot above, you said? That's, that's significant. Yeah, at least, yeah. Yeah, um, probably not, because most of the rivers here in Illinois flow west. Yes, that's the true. The Illinois River yes. and the Mississippi. It, it's really what you're looking at is the rain that's over Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, and so far, that has obviously come down as well. So the lake is probably not going to evaporate much. The only thing that could lower the lake level is a string of 90-plus days. And as long as we don't have that coming our way, uh, the lakes are probably going to basically stay where they are. All right. Are. Thank you, Rick. Talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I'll be in the Adirondacks next week. I may not have cell service, but we'll see how it goes. If it works right. out, I'll give you guys a call, right? All right. Take care. Later. Thanks to Rick, Karen Chapman, Christina Solwitz. Until tomorrow at 9 a.m., go green or... Go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. (laughs) 